Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and welcome. So glad to have you with me today. You know, according to an anonymous source, this is the most popular afternoon show in North America. And did I mention I love anonymous sources? I do. Because <laughs> you really can't figure out who said it. Maybe I came up with that. I don't know who said that. But anyway, I'm so glad to have Todd Mulliken in studio for the full hour. We're going to talk uh, about... All kinds of stuff. And we're going to also open up the text line if you have questions for Todd uh, regarding a relationship uh, or maybe you've had something happen in your life that you need some clarification on. We're going to talk a little bit today about how to set boundaries and how to have uh, good communication with people who are difficult. Mm, does that ring a bell with anybody? You have a difficult person you're having trouble having clear and honest communication with or does it just completely backfire? So if you're looking for ways and, and how to set boundaries and how to talk to people who are difficult, you've come to the right hour. This is going to be uh, how we're going to get things started. And it's also, we're going to talk about ways to make the most of maximizing and, and prioritizing your time together as a, as a couple, okay? And we're going to, there's always great ways to bring out the very best in your spouse. We're going to chat about that as well. Uh, time permitting. But any questions you have for Todd, let me know. 877-933-2484. Todd Mulliken is a uh, uh, counselor and a professor, and he uh, has a private practice right here in the great city of Edina, Minnesota. You can go to toddmulliken.com and learn more about Todd and see his uh, above-average good-looking picture on his website. Todd, welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Nice to have you here. Thanks for the affirmation, Our, kind of. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of it's a little backhanded, but, you know, it works, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's got somebody that's challenging to talk to, communicate with. Maybe the boundaries are blurry. And how do you clean that up? Mm. Boy, I think first thing we do is look at our own temperature with that. What What am I experiencing in that situation? What What emotions am I going through? What if you revisit the same ugly emotions time and time again? So if I am, I think, you know, you've heard me talk about, I think it's good to know what my tendencies are under stress. Do I tend to run and hide or do I tend to be fire ready aim? Mm -hmm. And, or am I somewhere in the middle? Yeah. Right. Those are kind of the choices, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And so if, and I think God calls us to transformative movement, not transactional movement, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, this is a place maybe God is putting in my heart that I get to have movement into and learn about myself. And, oh, by the way, Jesus had lots of hard conversations with difficult people. So God's in it with us. Mm-hmm. So I think it first starts with that, realizing, hey, I'm not alone in this. God is with me in this. And what do I notice about my tendencies? So if I am an avoider... Uh, I need to make sure that my local resentment bank that I've gone to for a while isn't full of money mm-hmm. about that person. Got to deplete that account, right? Right, and realize... How hey, do you do that? 
they just well just realize they just put their shoes on the same way we do, and mm-hmm. there's something going on in their story that makes them difficult. So I don't have to be their social worker or their savior, but I get to walk alongside and realize and not be intimidated by the reactions if I'm an avoider. Mm-hmm. That's what I tend to do. I will as an avoider, I'll tend to kind of be defined by how they are at the Thanksgiving virtual table. Mm-hmm. So then I'll tend to go, well, if I say this, it won't matter anyway. And, you know, they just, they, they really did something that was really hurtful in that conversation, but I just let that go. That's just kind of the way dad has talked to me for the last 45 years anyway. Mm-hmm. I tried to bring it up 15 years ago on a Tuesday, nothing happened. So I'm just in my place with that. Mm-hmm. I'll just stay there. But then I, if I'm going to choose to avoid it, I have to make sure that I'm not then after the conversation calling my resentment bank and putting five bucks in there mm-hmm. because then I'm going to leak. I'm going to lack my a forgiveness mindset of leaning in and knowing maybe the next time I'm with my father, I can just say, you know, when he said that at Thanksgiving, it landed hard for me and I was hurt, hurt by what you said. And if that doesn't go over well, then what? That's okay. Okay. So ideally, the point is that, it, especially for the avoider, it isn't about how it goes, because that's what they're defined by. Mm. They're defined by how it goes. Like, if it didn't go well, then I've even worked with, you know, people of faith like myself where, you know, it didn't go well, so I, that must, I must not have been in God favor, God's favor there. Or it didn't go well, so maybe I was outside of God's will because it didn't go the way I thought it would be. Go. And the way I prayed that it would go, right? Now, I would just offer that, you know, God knows your heart and he knows that your motives were pure and that this other person has generational patterns and issues too. And it doesn't mean you did the wrong thing mm-hmm. because your intention were, was pure and you were just trying to bring something up that affected you. And so you let that person in to what you were experiencing versus taking it out on them later through resentment building. So that's one side of the street is how typically Bill, with difficult people, the avoiders deal with it, as they will minimize, avoid it. And what really is tricky is when the avoider is in a marriage and that same parental figure of theirs kind of talks in a way that's hurtful to their spouse and they don't address that. So then... Later on that evening, as a couple, that spouse says, golly, when your father spoke like that to me, that was really hard, and why didn't you say something? Well, you know, that's just the way Dad is, and he didn't mean anything by it. And unintentionally, Bill, we're, we're kind of choosing Dad over our spouse there. Mm-hmm. And so that has another complicated factor to it. So for the avoiders out there, the best advice I can give to start is just to know, like, it's okay to increase assertiveness, which is meaning I'm just going to have a clear, integrous, empathetic, brief conversation and let that person in to what I felt in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to chew on. Yeah. But now the, the fire-ready aim people mm-hmm. usually aren't having that introspective kind of problem. <laughs> Processing afterwards, they're usually kind of going toe to toe with that difficult person and becoming a last word Larry or a last word Lorraine, just trying to win the fight because 
this person has done this too much and I'm done. But the truth is, if I'm always doing that, then maybe I have to pull back a little bit and afterwards have an honest conversation that's more of an interactive process versus an interrogative process. So for those of us that are fighters under stress where we want to engage, what I've found that most of my work with those types of folks are is learning how to help them have an interaction with that person who's difficult versus an interrogation of I'm right and you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. You know, more of a pharisaical type of... You know, I just know a little bit more and here's your issue and get over it Mm -hmm. versus, hey, here's how I was impacted by it. I myself kind of am struggling with kind of shooting off at the hip versus processing first. So I understand that, but I was still impacted by what you said. What do you think? Mm -hmm. So we're just going to try to be for interactions versus interrogations or sticking our head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Todd, what about those strained kind of relationships where you want to take that first step, but somehow it never seems to work, and now you're kind of at odds with the person, and maybe it's a family member, and you see them now twice a year, and when you are together, when you're in the den, they're in the kitchen, and when then Mm. you're in the kitchen, they're in the basement. Mm. So there's this artful way of avoiding each other and then not talking about it, and then we pretend like, boy, wasn't everything good over the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> we all got along. Yes. Really? I know. So I, I tend in my book on being right versus being liked, there's a section in there for the codependent who tends to avoid conflict, be defined by how it goes, tries to have honest conversations. They quote unquote don't go well. So then they just kind of give up. And, mm-hmm. and the book also talks about those people that are more controlling and worst case scenario, sometimes narcissistic and they're, difficult in a different way. But, you know, to your point, I think the first boundary I talk about is what we just mentioned, which is honest conversation. That's my first boundary. I'm going to be for that. I'm going to revisit it. I'm going to have an honest conversation. Now, what you're speaking to is maybe we've already been there, done that. And the truth is that particular person isn't really interested in having an honest conversation. They're interested in uh, being right or shutting the other person down. There's just no empathy. There's no kind of come let us reason together at all. Then, Bill, sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, I've had couples or families or individuals who are in those difficult places go to the second boundary, which is called, I call it medium chill or loving detachment. They've really tried to do honest conversations. The last one, there's loose change about. And I'm making sure I don't have resentment because as a believer, I, I, you know, it's not okay for me to have resentment. I want to address the mess versus avoid the mess. But we've kind of been there, done that, and we're just stuck. But we are choosing to bring the family to Christmas. So I don't necessarily think they're avoiding it by staying in this loving, detaching role. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly working with folks who are dealing with a difficult in-law or a difficult parent, and they've kind of done the good work and there's just nobody home on the other side like hey i don't understand what you're talking about this is not true this is not who i am this is you know you're you're wrong i don't want to talk about it anymore and we'll see you at thanksgiving Mm. you know and so so loving detachment means i'm creating a boundary but i'm still being respectful and cordial Mm -hmm. when i'm there i'm not faking it really because we've we've addressed the mess yeah and it's still a mess. 
So that's the second boundary is what I call loving detachment or medium chill. And actually, Bill, for, you know, a lot of people land there and, uh, and then will occasionally, when they feel led, have a, try to go back to the honest conversation boundary and revisit that mm-hmm. and know that God's still in the transformation business, uh, even if transformation happens uh, over a lifetime versus over a moment. Mm-hmm. All right, Todd Mulliken is my guest, and he came into the studio with one of those uh, beverages from one of those fancy coffee shops. And I'm trying to deal with my own resentment right now because he didn't text me in advance and saying, hey, I'll be there in like five minutes. Should I bring you something? So I'm trying to figure out, should I feel resentment or should I just let it go? Should I put $5 in my resentment bank? Which, by the way, has got a lot in it right now. Uh, but he's an author and a counselor and a speaker on marriage and families. If you've got a question regarding any of these issues we're talking about today or anything, let us know what it is. You can text 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And when we go to the break, I'll go get a drink of water from the fountain. Here. I'm back with Todd Mulliken. If you want to learn more about Todd, he's got a website, and I think it's up to date. I think he's made all of his. You've made all your payments on your website, so <laughs> so yes. when they go to it, it'll actually load, right? It will. Okay, well, good. Well, now I've got cybersecurity issue based on your last guest. I, I know need to you work should on have that. it. I know. Yeah, so I'll Todd, have to work on that. Todd spells his last name M U L L I K E N. ToddMulliken.com. All right, Todd. Let's talk about boundaries. I think we've got one more boundary to discuss. What would that be? So we first talk about honest conversations. So we're yep. for that. For that. And we want, to, we want to create interactions versus interrogations. I liked another thing you said. Mm. We want to be transformational, not transactional. Yeah. yeah so like we, we realize that God's with us in the conversation, even if it's hard. And if it doesn't, quote unquote, go well, that's okay. We want to know that we've done our part and we're still open to change and open to doing our part well versus trying to be too defined by how it goes. Mm-hmm. Then a lot of times with folks that are really, you know, very difficult and not open to change, uh, we go to the second boundary, which is loving detachment. We're respectful and cordial to that person, but we're just not quite as close because uh, we've tried that and it's been tough and we're still in journey on that. But we want to, you know, have our family there for those birthdays, those holidays, those times together. And the boundary member is a marker for us. It's a boundary that protects us, and it's helpful. Now, once in a while, we go to the third boundary, which is an actual boundary of separation, where there is, okay, during this time of year, pre-COVID especially, uh, some folks have a place in Arizona, let's say, and the kids are coming down to Arizona, but, you know, Grandma has a drinking problem, mm-hmm. and we've addressed that with the family. Uh, Grandpa says it's not that bad. Grandma says, no, it's fine. Uh, it's not a big deal. And so we notice that by noon, Grandma is not well. Mm-hmm. And now we have a four-year-old in our life, and, you know, we've uh, she's or he's old enough to know better a little bit. And so what do we do with that? Do we... 
maybe have breakfast, but then we leave because we're not for that kind of exposure to our children, right? We don't want to live, have them live in a bubble, but we don't want to expose them to that type of mood-shifting, uh, untreated alcoholism that's really caused pain, and it's continuing at a theater near us in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So then sometimes we implement a separation boundary that says, hey, we love you, we're for you, but until this is addressed, we really, you know, we'll only come over for a little bit and we'll be cordial. But, you know, when the drinking gets too much, we need to leave. That's not uh, going to go well. No. And so then usually what happens in those family systems, the parent or the spouse who's <clears throat> enabling the alcoholism to continue and not saying, hey, we need to change the rules here or I may have to change the locks unless we get help. Uh, so that's usually happening. And then when the person I'm seeing, let's say, is in their 30s and now is trying to assert themselves in a very loving, Christ-like way, you know, trying to go, I just, I've dealt with that my whole life and I've dealt with mom's moods when she's drinking. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. And my spouse is not for having our you know, young one kind of wonder what grandma's moods are like and what's going on here. So... I've usually also found out then that one of that my client's siblings will be really upset that they're ruining the family now by not coming. So it gets tough for creating that separation boundary, but it's something that families and couples sometimes need to do when they're dealing with a situation that is uh, a deal breaker for them. Mm -hmm. It's just too hard. Yeah. So I've had those types of boundaries set by folks sometimes. Appreciate you talking about boundaries, Todd, and here's a question that just came in or a comment that you might be able to wrap some of the boundaries around this comment. Uh, Going on three years marriage separation now, I've been providing financial support all along via car payments, insurances, and some funds. Wife is moving to a new place, not involving me in any of the decisions, but expects me to provide moving assistance and fairly hefty security deposit during the separation and before that. I've been excluded from many events and decisions and just feel manipulated. So I'm telling her no to these additional requests, feeling lost and in a Christian dilemma about taking care of and providing for my spouse, but also avoiding financial abuse. Oh, so well said. Oh, yeah. Oh, my wow. listeners are so smart. Oh, oh, yeah. I just resonate and empathize with what that person's going through. It's so hard. It's got to be so hard for him. So... I think it sounds like he's really thinking it through. He's, you know, threading the needle of truth and grace there, right? He's sharing what he's impacted by. It hasn't been three weeks. It's been three years. Mm -hmm. And um, it hasn't been one decision. It's been a lot. And so whenever you're in a three-year process, unless there's transformative movement, it's usually, you know, there's been problems and boundary crosses for a while. So I think he's personally doing the right thing by trying to assert a boundary that he feels is reasonable and just and needs to, as you've heard me say, let the person in versus take it out on them. Let them into what they're going through and why they're making that adjustment in their boundary. Now, of mm-hmm. course, if there's a legal process, they're working with a mediator, you don't want to just change the rules like that. Right. Right. If they're in some type of mediation system, then he wants to honor that and be respectful. But if the truth is they're kind of winging it on their own and he feels like, I, hey, I wish this marriage would work, and it's not, and my spouse is, you know, it feels like she's taking advantage of it, then, you know, in my opinion, he has every right to just kind of let her in about 
what he's feeling and why he's trying to, you know, it just it's feeling unjust. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Mm-hmm. So, as a marriage and family uh, counselor, Todd, what is the longest you have known a separation to last, and then there was a resolution? Mm-hmm. Uh, not not one that long. I've had people that have gotten back together and then separated again and gotten back together. But in my experience, you know, after a year, year and a half, mm-hmm. you know, and honestly, what I tell every couple when the boundary starts is, or when a separation starts, we have to have two boundaries. We have to financially be transparent and just, and we have to make sure there's not a third party involved. There's no shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So if those two boundaries are in place, and while the counseling is going on, usually you can tell what's going to be happening within the first six months to a year. Mm-hmm. So if there has been a three-year separation, uh, I don't want to interject any thoughts into that separation, but if that's been going on that long, right, it and does raise the question, is there anyone else in the picture? Yeah, or at least, you know, what, what, what happened? Fair. What happened a year into it? What kind of... So what's the truth about the three years, right? Mm-hmm. And that'd be helpful to know in, in terms of giving him, you know, good counsel on it. But in real time, as he's sharing what he's sharing, I think it's really fair to uh, assert what he's asserting here and then be open about the conversation and understand his wife's pushback and let's continue the conversation about where are we going? You know, where are we going? <laughs> right? Are we... You know, are we moving towards each other or are we moving away from each other? Mm-hmm. Where are we going? Yeah. All right. I'm going to take a short break, but when I come back, we're going to continue to talk with Todd Mulliken and we're going to uh, focus on some really positive things, really some of the best ways, uh, best things to do to bring out the very best in your spouse. Um, Todd's got some brilliant uh, encouragements and suggestions, but I also want you to know you are so welcome to... Uh, uh, write me with questions you might have for Todd. It would be wonderful to um, to hear your questions. I can ask anonymously, of course. And the number is 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And my guest, Todd Mulliken, has a website he's apparently paid his bills at, so you can go there and it will load, toddmulliken.com. And he's got a number of things that he's written His most recent book is called Being Right Versus Being Liked, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. So when we come back, we're going to talk about ways to bring out the very best in your spouse, and we'll continue to answer your questions. So let me know what they are, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. 
I'm back with Todd Mulliken, Mulliken Counseling in Edina, Minnesota. So, Todd, I want to hear about how to bring out the very best in your spouse. Okay. Well, a while ago now, I put out a book that talked about the five things in general that I'm hearing over the years that women want for their best to come out, would love their spouse to continue or start, and the five general things that I've found that men want uh, from their spouses. So we're going to have five for men and five for women. We're going to do the equal opportunity. So let's, let's start by hearing the five things that women want. Okay. What do they want from their man? Okay. So they all tend to be fairly coming towards ideas. So they love to be pursued. So there's five Ps. There's five Ps. All right, let me yeah. write this down. Five Ps. Okay, go ahead. So the first P is to pursue your wife emotionally and spiritually, meaning... Again, unfortunately, what keeps me in business is men stop thinking about their wives, and wives tend to look at who their husband isn't versus who he is. And but you have to love the man you married, not the man you didn't marry, or something like that. Correct. Didn't I hear you say that before? You went, you went there pretty quick, didn't you? Yeah. Well, right. I think I heard you say that before. I'm just, big time. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So yeah, I think. So I think what happens for us fellows is we our vulnerability is to just our contentment tends to turn into complacency. And so when we're pursuing, when I'm pursuing my wife of 32 years, I'm thinking, hey, you know, it would be great to surprise her with this or it would be really nice to come towards her with that. Or, you know, we haven't done a devotional for a couple of years. I really, yeah, I want to do that. You know, she's so for that. And Mm -hmm. so just, yeah, sure, I can read a book on it or I can just kind of start thinking about, my wife again and what I love about her. So, Because I've worked with a lot of men that are in love with their wives, but they're emotionally just not really coming towards. Mm-hmm. They're more on the defense and wondering what they're doing, just making sure they don't make a mistake versus just kind of coming towards them and mm-hmm. choosing them every day with just little things that are ways that she feels chosen and noticed. Mm-hmm. What if you make an effort and you show up with something lovely? Because you're pursuing, and the remark from her is, can we afford that? Hmm. Or what if it's not received in the way that the man really hopes it's going to be received? Right. Because there's, there's complicated finances and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the woman on her side of the street, I don't know if you want to go to one of the A's right away Let's or not. Let's go to one of the A's right away, too. <laughs> so the five A's for the women to work on is the first A is to affirm who he is. And what he's done. Okay. So, so I, he's going to pursue. And she's going to affirm. Okay. And more often than not, <laughs> that when the man's knocking on the door, hey, I'd love to have you come out and play, unless she's got a full bucket of resentment, you know, then we got a different conversation. Mm-hmm. More often than not, it's going, that's nice. And hey, thanks for that. And now we're on our way and the man feels affirmed and she feels chosen. And uh, it's a start. Mm-hmm. You know, we're for that. And that's, Typically, the beauty of kind of a a gentle model of coming towards each other. So that's the first P. And it doesn't mean the woman can't pursue. doesn't mean the guy can't affirm. I'm just saying in general, it seems to really land well with that dynamic. Mm-hmm. The man is just noticing and choosing, and the woman is affirming what is good and, and acknowledging that. Yeah. Not without complications, is it? No. The and guy then, works three jobs. Right? And he's exhausted. 
Yes. And, you know, it's what, yeah, it's complicated, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. The second P for the guy is to make sure, you know, the woman isn't the social worker and the planner and the cruise director and all everything, mm-hmm. you know. So how does he doing with doing what I call a Sunday summit where they get together on a Sunday for half an hour and just look at the day, look at the week, kind of talk about what's happening and what's coming. I say to every couple, it's good to know, have something to look forward to, especially these days during the pandemic. No kidding. What do we have to look forward to, whether it's that walk tonight or that we're going, we feel comfortable driving to Airbnb seven hours from now and we get to do that from Thursday to Sunday a month from now. Yay. You know, we're, <laughs> we're for that. Yeah, right. Because otherwise, we, if we wait till we feel good, we might not ever plan that. So mm-hmm. how is the guy doing with saying, hey, you know, I want to initiate a plan here and come towards her with and let's have a dialogue. doesn't mean the woman can't initiate it, but I just, I've noticed when the guy initiates that, it's like, ooh, thank you. The woman, land, it lands well for her. And she goes, yeah, thanks for thinking of that. And let's have a conversation. I mean, even if it's something simple as I'm planning dinner, I'm picking up takeout take food and I'm going to surprise <sighs> you tonight. Oh, Right? I'd be out of business. Absolutely. You would be. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to afford your website. I couldn't. So right. when people try to load ToddMulligan.com, <laughs> absolutely nothing would happen. I got nothing. Which somehow brings right? me some joy. It would. It would be great. Because <laughs> it all happened on this show. Just <laughs> right here. And it was your questions that brought that forth. Yeah. 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 Uh, the second uh, A is is to be accepting of who he is. You know, Romans fifteen seven. accept one another. Uh, as Christ accepts us in order to bring mm-hmm. praise to God. Sure, we don't want to accept unacceptables. What are unacceptables? Adultery, addiction, abuse. Okay. Unacceptables. We're not saying, well, no, those are not okay. We're having yeah. honest conversations and changing the rules, right? But everything else, because a lot of what I've noticed the last 10, 15 years of my practice is, uh, you know, he doesn't understand his feelings enough or he is a little this or he's a little that and uh versus yes but here's what he is okay and so this isn't this is what the woman should do it's just what she gets to do in the same way because it isn't sometimes natural for the man to come towards as much and especially if he's kind of a laid-back guy and doesn't you know oh boy if i do that man you know just so i think it's, I've noticed for, for women when they're looking at who he is and just embracing that and being honest about what's hard, it's a nice balance. Because in general, the dilemma for us men is we're, we tend to be very defined by, um, you know, how our spouse sees us. And so it isn't her job to do that. But it's, it's wonderful. When I ask guys to order what they need, that's right up there, just to know that they're doing something okay. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Just... You know, am I doing something all right? And what the woman's ten, tending to say to me is like, you know, he's home, but nobody's home. Yeah. And that's, so those are the general things I hear overall. So these first two P's and first two A's are just good movements towards each other with things that land well. And it helps you know, again, as you've always talked beautifully, Bill, when our identity's in Christ, then hopefully I have the contentment within myself to do that because, you know, the Holy Spirit's, you know, just giving that little bit of loving conviction, mm-hmm. going, hey, you know, let's do this. Yeah. Todd, I like the ping pong approach of going from a P to an A, but I want to make sure I'm delivering all these mm. for people to understand. Sure. The first P is pursue, and the second P is what? Be a good planner. 
planner. So planning dates gotcha. and times together. Right. So my the one that's calling the meeting, it doesn't mean the woman can't call the meeting, but you know, I've noticed more often than not, in general, the woman is thinking about the meeting and the guy's going, Oh, I didn't know we wanted to have a meeting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And well, we get to, because there's three kinds of people in the world, right? There's people that make things happen. There's people that let things happen. And then there's people that say what happened, you know? Yeah. And I find for some of us fellows, we just kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and well-intended followers of Jesus. But, uh, okay. Come towards, knock on the door, yeah. right? right? Yeah. Let's go. Well, it, it, Let's play some offense here. Yeah. But something you have to learn, right? Yeah. You're not just born with it, right? No. Maybe it wasn't modeled when you were growing up. I even think of kids when they're playing, you know, little league baseball when they're seven and they, they you know, they hit a get a base hit and they look at their mom and dad, did you see that? Did you see mm-hmm. that? What'd you think of that? Because mm. it means so much that they were validated for it or they mm. somebody saw them. Yeah. And you know, you're just as an adult man, you're still kind of wired that way a little yeah. bit, aren't you? Well said. I don't know if that's well said, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we could spend a whole lot another hour on attachment styles and unless you bring me a beverage <laughs> i already know what to do okay. uh the attachment styles are so sometimes guys have more of an avoidant attachment style so under stress they avoid mm. and uh then it's really hard and so i think it's always a good thing when the guy is coming towards versus being on his heels mm-hmm. so those are the two p's okay firm is the first a and the other a is what accepting who accepting. he is okay so this is for the ladies the a's are for the ladies yep to be affirming and accepting mm-hmm. right now what is the third p the third this is for the man right the third p is to if there's kiddos to be a good parent mm-hmm. there's something beautiful about and i have guys try to remember philippians 4 verse 5 we always know 4 4 through 13 right rejoice in the lord again i say rejoice and then goes on to six and seven, which is be anxious about nothing. And then later on, it talks about being content in all things. But verse five says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So I've just noticed in general, uh, you know, when the man is leading in with gentleness and, you know, which is strength under control, it's really a game changer. It's really a, it brings such uh, contentment to that home. Mm-hmm. And as his role as a father, if, if they have kiddos, that's really helpful. And I found the woman really loves that when he is a gentle man, not yeah. a passive man. But, you know, his anger or his dysregulation doesn't control the home mm-hmm. and control the kids where the kids are walking on glass. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the third P is am I, am I, is my capacity to love my kids greater than my need to be loved by them. So as a dad, is my capacity to love greater than my need to be loved? So in so other words, you don't want to be their friend, you want to be their parent. Correct. Okay. Yep. And how am I doing with that? And how am I creating a safe place for them to each be uniquely how God has made them? Okay. So, All right. What, th- what is the third A? The third A is affection. Okay. And so, you know, when you figure this out, give me a call. But in general, what I've noticed is that in general, and Gary Small, I said this a long time ago, women are like crockpots when it comes to intimacy and men are like microwave ovens. Mm-hmm. So 
in general, again, it's different for everybody, but in general, men go from sex to emotions and women go from emotions to sex. And so what do we do, you know, in the eighth year of marriage when it's been kind of, you know, we're just in transactional mode, like I talked about last time on here Mm -hmm. versus transformational mode. And the woman is not feeling intimate or close and the man is still enjoying intimacy and lovemaking. What do we do with that? Right? How do we create a place where we can do that? So I think it's helpful when the woman is initiating some type of connection physically. It may not be lovemaking, but some type of touch. Are we creating patterns of touch together, which don't always lead to sex? Mm-hmm. But we're just, and it doesn't mean the woman always has to initiate that. It just means I know that when man, a man feels like the woman is initiating some of that and he's respectful of that, that's a nice dance. Mm-hmm. Um He's feeling closer to her after their physical connection, and it's it's a win-win that way. So I found that to be really helpful, mm-hmm. uh, but it is it's really complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's you usually notice when you know the guy is doing his part on the P's and the woman's doing her parts on the A's. That's a nice dance. Nice. Yeah. All right. Let me Good take dance. a short break. Todd Mulliken is my guest. Uh, we're talking mm-hmm. about. The great ways to be pursuing your spouse. We've got five A's and five P's. The P's are pursue, plan, be a good parent. The A's, ladies, would be to affirm, accept, and affection. It's kind of the man's language and the woman's language, as per Todd Mulliken is explaining to us. We've got two more to go in each category, and then we we'll also have time for questions. 877-933-2484 is the text. I'd be happy to read your question online and of course you can remain anonymous Todd Mulliken. ToddMulliken.com is his website. Now, Todd, we've got the five A's and the five P's. We've got three of each. Let's try to complete these. You bet. Yeah. So the fourth P is to protect my wife. Protect. And this if is I'm, what she wants from her man. Right. If, I am, if I'm a controlling man and I have kind of issues with my temperament and my disposition, then I need to protect her from my anger. Mm-hmm. If I'm a passive man, I have noticed mm-hmm. I need to protect her from my mother. So what keeps me in business during the holidays is that thing I mentioned to you, kind of more the top of the hour where maybe the mother-in-law is kind of sharing something too harshly to his wife. So his mother is sharing something harsh to his wife and he's saying to his wife, oh, it's not that big a deal. Mom loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And I could ask him to either call his mom or cut off one of his fingers with a knife and he'd probably... You know, most of my men clients have nine fingers, just kidding. Right. But like, okay. yeah, so just the idea of protecting, not like choosing her over mom, but just, mm-hmm. but yeah, just saying, hey, that must have been hard for you. I want to address that with mom. Sure, my wife could address that with, with my mother, but also he would need to. So I've noticed that a lot with protection. Okay. And I write about, write about that in the book. Um, the fourth A is attractiveness. And what, I'm going to be real clear what I mean by this. A healthy man is attracted to a woman who herself feels emotionally, physically, spiritually attractive. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? She's, she's got the glow going. She just feels really content in who she is. Mm-hmm. 
And I found healthy men are drawn to that, and they love that mm-hmm. when she is sensing her own sense of beauty uh, internally and externally and, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fifth P is for the man to be emotionally present. You know, we've learned a lot about the power of being present and the power of prayer and just being present and mindful. And and research is showing that's a real game changer, even with anxiety disorders. So how is a man doing when, when I'm home? Am I really home? Am I just present and available and able to talk about stuff if I need to or be able to just be there, mm-hmm. you know, versus, hey, it's been a long day and we're both working in the home now with COVID and I'm just, I got nothing because I gave it all there. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, so be present. Okay. So coach men, if they have not been as present as they might think they need to be, what they might do as early as tonight. Yeah, just knock on her door and say, hey, you know, um, today has been, you know, work. I, I went through something really tough today, and it's really been hard. And do you mind if I just talk to you about that? You know, and so now if he's talked about work every day the last 20 years, I wouldn't lead out with that. <laughs> okay, but, okay. but like, you know what I mean? If he's been kind of a quiet, passive person that's waiting for something to come up versus initiating, I think I would not have him be present by, well, I tell every couple bills, let each other in to what's going on, what God's doing in your life. And that's a really good way to build intimacy is just, hey, what, 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 what am I going through? Either that's beautiful or difficult. So what I mean by being present is just a little bit of a volley like that. What if the spirit in return is critical? I can't believe you're, you're complaining about this again. And then I would, again, so I'm guessing if it goes like that, that's the way it's been for the last 100 years. Okay. And so now we've got another problem. Right? Okay. We've got a problem of... Let's have an interaction. So now you've heard me say speak without offending, listen without defending. Mm-hmm. So my perspective, in this case, the spouse would say, you know, gal, you know, worst case scenario, he talks about it all the time and he's complaining all the time. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario. Then the spouse would say, hey, it, I'm sorry you're going through that, but I know it seems like you've been really critical of work a lot. What's going on for you? And, you know, how do we talk about that? So I think it's important that we respect that we're saving our best communicate communication patterns for home versus giving giving our spouse the leftovers. Mm-hmm. So if I'm being volleyed too, how am I having an interaction versus an interrogation or shutting it down? Okay. And the last uh, A would be what? It's, it's called accountability. And I don't know if, if you like this one, but it's like what I've noticed is that it, uh, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've had a woman go, you know, I think that would be a great couple to, for us to spend time with. Or, you know, I don't know what you sense, but I sense that God's doing this. And I've just noticed, if you will, that woman's intuition. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she, women in general do a really good job of creating a, like opportunities for the couple to make some really good choices sometimes when we're stuck. And it doesn't mean that's a woman's responsibility. I just know that men love hearing that kind of idea, right, when she notices something. And she leads out with that. I've had constant discussions like that with couples where, and the woman might say, well, I, I, I don't want to say something because he'll take it wrong. I said, you're saying it from a pure heart. Just say, hey, I'd love to see that couple, you know, a couple Fridays from now. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I sense God doing this. What do you think? Yeah. So. Yeah, really good. A listener said, put down the cell phone. That's probably a great way to be present, isn't oh, it? Oh, boy. Perfectly I mean, said. It really is. That's bullseye. Oh, there it is. She said it much better. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that's a game changer. I know we that's what we do when we're dating, you know, on our dates. We just, I just don't bring it in. I don't bring it in. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> I leave it in the car. Yeah. Because no matter what, 
Now, the problem is that on your dates nowadays, you're eating in the car. That's right. <laughs> so, Picking up curbside. You can't, get, you can't get away from the phone in the car. You can't. All right. Um, my husband is 75. I'm 68. And he's had a difficult year with a lot of health issues. And he's no longer inter- interested in intimacy. Mm. So it's the opposite of what you were talking about. Mm. I just would like to know what to do. Thank yeah. you. Wow. So well said. So I would... I would ask her to let him in and say how she's feeling, if she's feeling uh, sad or lonely or rejected or, you know, to say that um, I would be happy to be with you and I would love to be with you and I miss being with you. And sometimes for men, if they're aging, there's lots of issues going on too. Mm -hmm. And so ideally she's creating an environment where hopefully he would let her in and say what he's struggling with. Right. That's, that'd be, you know, plan A, mm-hmm. but I would open the door and let, let, let him into what it's feeling like for, for her. Mm-hmm. Start the volley. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm attracted to my wife until she opens her mouth to speak negatively about politics or the church or Christianity. She claims to be a liberal Christian, letting people um, just be themselves no matter their sin. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in our journey with our spouse, there may be a deconstruction of faith and somebody goes a different path for a while Mm -hmm. or, you know, life's a long time. And we say life is short, but life's a long time Mm -hmm. sometimes. So how do we handle that when we're in different places spiritually? We're concerned about where our spouse is at spiritually. Right. And so I think he needs to be able to say, hey, you know, I want you to be able to share what you're feeling, but it feels like you're criticizing me. You know, and that's hurtful to me. Uh, so I think if he's if she's criticizing his faith, that's one thing. If she's criticizing, she has a different view of things now, and she's really struggling with that, and she's angry about it, or maybe there's something from her past that's making her go to this other perspective. Ideally, we're we're letting each other in about how did how did she get there, and then he needs to say how it feels for him that she's there, and what it's like for him. So. Again, I'm always talking about can we have an interaction about it versus an interrogation? So when she's kind of speaking down or against, it's shutting the conversation down, and that's what he's talking about. So he would need to be able to say, hey, you know, when you, I get we're a different perspectives, like, and I get that, um, but I, it's hard for me when you're critical of, of my beliefs. It's hard for me. I want to know what you're feeling, but it's hard for me when you're that critical. Mm-hmm. So it's starting a volley. Yeah. I'd be curious about, you know, just a diagnostic when I hear some of these couples talk and I wonder when was the last time you two have had a good belly laugh together? Yeah. Laughter's a medicine, right? But it's a very powerful medicine for sure. Yeah. My wife and I, when we do convertible rides around the lakes during the summer, we can always tell when we see a married couple because they're not smiling or laughing. Mm. That's no good. No, I mean, and we're not like, oh, there they are. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, because you got to be able to laugh. And, you know, even if you have different senses of humor, which a lot of times we do yeah, as couples, but how do we look for moments to laugh yeah. and celebrate that and know that God is good and, and is for us? I mean, a belly laugh would be great, but how about just a nice hearty laugh? Yeah. You know, it's just something that you kind of are enjoying in, in a moment together and you're laughing and all of a sudden doesn't some of this other stuff go away the political beliefs and that stuff just melt a little it's quieter and you know one thing i want to mention about that i don't know if you know what i've noticed with lots of couples and even my own story with laura is like sometimes when the other person's really having a blast and then we're seeing our spouse having a blast and laughing and we're going you know he or she bothered me yesterday i'm not going there with him no nope, i'm not going to go there mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
you know, in those moments, we got to get over ourselves and join that. Join your spouse in that great moment of laughter. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I don't think Satan's under every rock, but Satan, you know, I don't like it when, you know, uh, when we're joining in laughter and we got this together. He's not happy. Yeah. So, so laughter and prayer, you know, yeah. that's probably a good diagnostic tool. If you're oh. not praying together or laughing together, it start could be, there. It could be a problem. Start there. And our mm-hmm. prayers are just, we're for each other in it. Yeah. I love it. All right, Todd, thank you so much. I'm going to just kind of quickly read the four, five P's and the five A's again. If you're a man and you want to pursue, plan, be a good parent, protect, and be present. And for the women, you want to be affirming, accepting, affection, attractiveness, and accountability. And if you missed any of this hour, I don't want to throw you off with that word attractiveness. Todd explained it beautifully. So it's just being completely comfortable in your own skin. Mm -hmm. That makes men crazy right yeah Yeah. healthy man loves that yeah exactly exactly all right todd thank you so much thanks bill nice to have you here todd mullican has been my guest his website is todd mullican m-u-l-l-i-k-e-n learn more about todd and his uh, counseling practice and also his books that wraps it up for today i'm i I, that's been a fast two hours i'm almost sorry it's over but we're going to get to do it again tomorrow so i'm looking forward to that already uh we're gonna have a great uh, couple hours tomorrow see you soon have a good night Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.